Hello, hello, and welcome back to Beauty Brings and Baggage. This is the first episode of the second half of season one. I am back from my hiatus, and I am so, so, so excited to put out more content for you all. Um, the episodes I have coming up for this month, um, February and March, are super, super, super exciting, and I'm so, so, so excited to share those with you. Um, the first episode I have is with Gabrielle Oates. I met her when I was, I think, a freshman or a sophomore at BU, and she has since graduated, and she started Smart Girls, Smart Money, which is essentially a platform that gives out financial tips to Gen Z and Millennials. Um, It's super dope, and I wanted to start off this season with Gabrielle because I think money-saving tips are definitely needed right now. Um, I want to help you guys secure your bag all 2021. So definitely listen in to the whole episode. There are some gems being dropped. And there will also be an article on tipsfromyourgoodsis.com about these money-saving methods that you can use to help secure your bag all year long. Um, So I will start the episode with Gabrielle, and I hope you enjoy. Gabrielle, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it so much. The last time I saw you was Afrofusion. So long ago. (laughs) Um, 2018, maybe? But... Yes, yes, indeed. And now you are engaged, living your life. Are you in New York? I am. I'm in Brooklyn. What do you do, Gabrielle? Introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, well, well, it is great to see you as well. Um, and so, yeah, I'm Gabrielle. Like you said, we went to the same university, Go Terriers. Um, but yeah, I graduated from Boston University in May 2018, and then since then I've been working with a, an ed tech nonprofit organization based in Brooklyn, and um, I focused more in my past two years, I've done a lot of work related to their school-based programs. They focus a lot on uh, students with disabilities, special education instructors, And then more recently, I've transitioned to be their marketing and communications coordinator, where I'm facilitating webinars, podcasts, social media content for them. Um, And then outside of that, as as you and I kind of connected on as well, I've also developed a love for personal finance in the past two years, which has kind of led me now to my personal hobbies and projects with Smart Girl, Smart Money. Yes, can you talk about Smart Girl, Smart Money, just to kick us, kick us off a little Sure, bit. yeah, yeah. Well, it's early January 2021 right now, but uh, in December of 2020, um, that's where you and I connected on Instagram about um, sort of some posts I was sharing related to my thoughts on ideas within the personal finance world. And so... That, as well as just the past two years, like I mentioned, of developing that interest, I've now since um, started a page, as you know, called Smart Girl, Smart Money. We're focused primarily on Instagram right now, but it's me and my sister. I sort of, she and I have discussed personal finance and just our interest in it across the past two years. And so I reached out to her when I decided, okay, I'm going to make this page before I think too much about it. And so then I was like, oh, I should bring her in because she and I talk about this all the time. And so she and I are currently running that. We're hoping 
sometime this year to develop a website and we hope to create resources and make it um, sort of a community. I love that. <laughs> um, the first post the first post I ever saw from your account, I think it was Smart Girl Smart Money, was about Afterpay. And I kind of wanted to talk about Afterpay and your thoughts on it and why you said people shouldn't do it. Because I personally have never paid for anything with Afterpay, but like, I don't know the the intricacies of it, what, what the effect of it, if you did it a lot. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I also just want to give a disclaimer that I'm not a financial expert. My sister, who also runs a page, is not either, but we hope to share our personal experiences as we both grow in our financial literacy. Um, well, in reference to the sort of buy now, pay later mentality, um, as you may or may not be familiar, many of those programs, such as Afterpay, um, allow you to essentially pay a small monthly fee as opposed to paying initially for a product. And so um, my sister and I encourage against that, also with recommendations from experts in the finance fields, because I find it such a dangerous place that catches people. Because ultimately, those programs, they can't do you any good like, but they can do you harm in the sense of, so they don't, they're not like connected to your credit in the sense that they would benefit your credit. But if you miss a payment, it would damage your credit. So they're dangerous in that oh, way. That's yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's dangerous in that way, but also just dangerous because, it, I mean, we can say like, yeah, you should track every expense so you know how much you're spending, but not many people would do that. So to write down for the next, you know, four months, I'm going to have a $27 payment or whatever, and that you have to track that each month. So many people slip up on that, or they think that they'll earn it back somehow, but they never do. So then they just get that credit damage. So I encourage not like, it is a mentality shift of going from instant gratification to being able to say no, but I encourage people to sort of grow in their ability to do that because, yeah, it can be like a subtle sort of damaging thing. Yeah, I actually wanted to touch on this whole idea of treating yourself and what is the limit <laughs> for treating yourself? How do you, how do you balance your budget? And also, you know, still find those little um, retail therapy wins to get if you wanted to. Yeah. No, I mean, finding those wins, that's hard with retail therapy. Um, I'm, of course, still growing in this. And um, so I've actually, I've recently completely um, eliminated my consumer debt or credit card debt essentially and so my only remaining debt is student loans so I'm hoping to be completely done with those in the next year and a half but aside from that um, a big point that I've been proved in that is with limiting my retail therapy and similar things like that um, because for me and I feel like a lot of people it's food and clothes like just yeah. <laughs> I need it <laughs> um, but I think the biggest thing with personal finance is that mentality shift that I alluded to 
in the sense of training yourself gradually to get used to less in a way. Um, And it doesn't necessarily have to be less in the sense of like purchasing less clothes, but it's all about finding your individual budget, what will allow you to save, spend, invest, and so what limit you have there. And then tracking it to an extent where you're not feeling, you know, like I have to track every expense to the T, but you have enough knowledge of like what you're actually purchasing in order to make the right choices. So I'd say it is kind of like up to the individual to try out different plans of what works for them. Like I mentioned, I don't track every specific expense per month, but I do sort of grouped expenses in the sense of like, you know, this is my total food budget. This is my total shopping budget or whatever it is. Right now I don't have a shopping budget because I'm trying to pay down more debt. But if I were to... I get that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I definitely did in college, so... Yeah, but that's besides the point. (laughs) Do you have any... Do you have any budgeting tips that you would give people? Like, you mentioned different plans. Like, what are common ways people can use to balance their budget? Well, yeah, in terms of, like, plans, there's a lot of options out there. Um, People have probably heard, if they're interested in personal finance, they've probably heard of Dave Ramsey. Have you heard of him yourself? I actually have heard of Dave Ramsey. Why is that so familiar? What? He's a financial expert. You're unlocking a memory. Yeah. He's a financial expert. He's like been in the space, I don't even know how many years, but a lot of years. And he has a huge company that encourages people to um, sort of, you know, work, strive towards financial independence. And he has something called the baby steps. So I kind of follow like a Dave Ramsey-ish plan in the sense that I follow a lot of the principles he teaches, but he's like kind of hardcore about it and I'm not quite there. So what I mean by that is- I get that. Yeah. (laughs) So he has his baby steps, like I mentioned, where um, the first one is like saving $1,000 as your emergency fund. And then the next one is paying off all of your debt except for your mortgage if you have one and then the step after that would be to save uh, a three to six month um what is it called like save three to six months of your living expenses so and then there's more steps after that but essentially his focus is like saving a little bit of amount of money that could give you a cushion in an emergency, but not enough where you're going to get lazy about paying off your debt. So that's kind of one option people could do with their budgeting is like just going hardcore on, I'm not going to spend money on anything except for my essentials and paying off debt. And then once that's done, then I'll boost my savings. I kind of don't do that um, (laughs) because... I don't agree with that either. Yeah, that's a lot. And that would be a lot. As we kind of see from this year, $1,000 is a little bit rough. If you either, like, if you lose employment, $1,000 isn't going to do anything for you, really. So. Definitely not. (laughs) That's one, like, critique many people have. Um, But I, I agree with a lot of the values he teaches in the sense of being, like, really disciplined and focused on your financial goals. Um, 
I personally kind of follow a plan where my goal was to pay off not my debt that had a current high interest, but debt that would have the highest interest. So like I mentioned, I paid off all of my credit card debt and I did that. Um, One thing that people might find valuable is through a balance transfer. So I had a credit card that had a high interest rate. So I got a new credit card that had a 0% interest for a certain amount of months. I then transferred my credit balance to that card. So it would have 0% interest on how much debt I had. Yes, yes. And so I paid it off at 0% as opposed to like, I think I had like 23% interest. So it was nasty. (laughs) Yeah, That was okay. Shout out to you for doing that. Because one thing, no, shout out. Actually, one thing my mom taught me was that she my mother is very meticulous every month she will sit down and pay off her card period like she sits down she pays off all of her cards so ever since i had a credit card i would just pay off my card every month and i think that's a very small thing because there's a lot of people who are also afraid of building credit Um, like there are a lot of college students who don't want to get a credit card and I, I get it because people can fall into the trap of like, this is money that you don't have. You don't that actually have $3,000. <laughs> and and it's, so, it's so valid though, but I definitely think something I've been doing, um, and I'm going to try to do this more because I was so terrible with money in 2020. Definitely the retail therapy got me. Um, definitely. How many athleisure outfits me. do you have? <laughs> That's it. That's not even the T. It was skincare uh it was okay skincare. okay that's like because a good one though i actually do want athleisure but i was like i was already spending so much money on the skincare i just couldn't um but yeah no 2020 was i i disappointed my freshman year self at 2020 <laughs> freshman year me was exactly how you're describing like i had my little work study thing my work study job and i Shout out to freshman year me because she gave me my little cushion where like when I did spend my money stupidly, I still had the cushion that she so meticulously amassed. That's so good. (laughs) It takes a lot. But one thing I've been trying to do is save like three of my paychecks, like two or three of my paychecks each month. Just automatically, as soon as I get them, I transfer them into my savings Um, and then not looking at that money at all yeah i think it's so helpful because when you i don't know how many people have savings accounts or if how many people just have debit accounts but i had a just a debit account for the longest while yeah same uh, when i went to college last semester and it's hard because if you have all your money in the debit account you're gonna keep dipping into savings that you have so the best thing i did last year was start the savings account because i automatically transferred I'm a dumb stuff, I'm a coin. And I was like, okay, great. I only have $100 left. Boom. I have $100. So I don't spend anything else besides the $100 we have here. But um, yeah, no, I wanted to ask you what are the biggest pitfalls you see for Gen Z and millennials as it relates to money and saving money, losing money, yeah. <laughs> whatever happy. Tips for Gen Z and millennials. That is the, our key audience with Smart Girl Smart Money because. I just turned 24 at the end of December 2020, and my sister is a millennial, so I'm kind of on the cusp of Gen Z and millennial, but that's, you know, our people that we're trying to speak to because 
I wasn't as good as you with saving money in college. It's only been about two and a half years since I was done, but I really only started saving kind of the summer before my senior year of college. And that was primarily because I was studying abroad in the fall and I knew I would need money because I wouldn't be allowed to work since you would need like a working visa and all that. So I knew I wouldn't have the opportunity to earn money unless I had like a remote job somewhere, but I didn't. Um, So working and earning money was never my problem. And I think that's the case for a lot of people like yourself. Like you can find a job, you know, all the internships, especially in college, like they're out there if you search for them, including paid internships. I made a priority for myself that I would encourage for others is to really seek paid internships, especially if you're in a, you know, not that great financial position, which I was not, Um, you know, any, any money I I needed. I did unpaid internships. Terrible. Terrible. And if, um, you know, if you're like similar to me in college, where if I did not work to earn money, I would have no money coming in from anywhere else, then I would say really do seek those paid internships. Um, But I think some other things that people could really account for, other than just the general advice of like, create a savings account, actually put money into it that you don't touch (laughs) um I think it's like the keys would be starting to build those muscles where that becomes the norm for you so that way when you do earn full-time income you can resist the lifestyle inflation that comes with earning more money (laughs) no it reminds me of like even Michelle Obama touched on this in her book like when she was a corporate lawyer um I remember she had this piece where she was like yeah Moving from working from corporate law, co- corporate law to working in the government for less money because the government had uh, you work for less money in the government. Um, she was like, I had to give up my wine subscription wine and my subscription. gym service. <laughs> no, literally the most random things you do as a person just because you can, you can. Um, but I really like to think of it like when you get paid, you need to pay yourself before you pay other people, and like even if it's just five dollars. Putting the $5 away is definitely very, very helpful. Um, Because you never know when you're going to need it. And life really like COVID. COVID came in and smacked everybody in the face. Because people didn't have savings. And it makes sense, though, because especially if you're living in... um, (laughs) This is so funny. If you're living in the bad bridge cities, (laughs) like New York. Is that what they're called? If you're living in Chicago. (laughs) No, someone said... Someone... I saw this tweet... And it was like six hundred dollars might be great in Wyoming and Nebraska, but it ain't doing nothing in the bad bitch cities. No, it's true. That's not even rent. Like, what are you? What is this? It's not. It's not. And and I think you know. I feel like I'm right now. I'm navigating, the scarcity mindset and the abundance mindset, because I think as an immigrant, like my parents definitely like. They live for comfort, you know, they live for comfort, they they want to save their money, but they'll always be like, you know, you're spending your money stupid, you're wasting your money, you're doing this, and I feel like this, they have this idea that one day you won't have mm. money, and I'm trying to balance like, okay, I don't have to squirrel away everything all the time, I can buy Cafe Nero yeah. once in a while uh, without feeling guilty, um, but how do you balance the scarcity mindset and the abundance mindset? Like, what is your view and your outlook when it comes to money and 
I guess managing your wealth, managing your yeah. budget, all that. Stuff. No, scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset is such a, a huge thing. I feel like we're very similar in that sense. Um, not in the sense of having parents who are immigrants. Mine were not. But um, we were a low-income family, and so that's a lot of the yeah. change that I've had to make in myself over the past few years. Um, so it's funny because I was thinking in preparation for this conversation and I was thinking to myself like oh yeah I've really only developed like a love for finance in the past two years but then I was like talking to myself and I'm like no actually like I've always been interested in finance but I was always interested because I had none like (laughs) that kind of thing so (laughs) that um was sort of like the start of my journey and it's definitely somewhere that I'm growing in the next few years, but I, w- I think that um, a lot of it is having that self-confidence. Like I mentioned, I am a hard worker. I'm always willing to you know go the extra mile, go above and beyond. I like to think of new ideas, um, and sometimes I stop myself from doing them, but I'm currently in the process of acting more like I did when I was younger, um, like I did with starting Smart Girl, Smart Money, I didn't think about it. Because if I had thought about it, I would have gotten into, yeah, like, nah, I would have gotten mind. into the idea that I always do where it's like, oh, well, the space is so saturated or I don't have the credibility or all that thing. And I think that comes from the scarcity versus abundance mindset. And it's knowing that... Um, Similar to the idea of, well, I guess the term abundance, like it's thinking there's always going to be more, which there is, but it's also recognizing that there can always be more provided, whether that be you bringing more to a space or you earning more for just talking about money. It's just having that self-confidence and trust slash faith to know that, um, there will be more there so I think it's all about like building those mental muscles around these ideas what do you see as glimmers of hope in the personal finance space um whether that be in education or different like budgeting tips that are becoming more widespread um because I think one of the reasons why particularly black and brown people especially why we're so late to the party sometimes is because like we just weren't invited in the first place so we didn't know we didn't know how to do the certain things um but do you see anything that like gives you hope in this field in this space of educating people just even even the basic tip that my mom taught me of like pay off your credit card every month just pay it off don't wait pay it off a lot of people don't know that and that's and it's a small thing um but yeah, any yeah, I do that. have a lot of hope. And kind of on that last point about paying off credit, similar to me, it was always, you know, people say, like, make sure your credit, uh, credit card balance is paid off at the end of the month. But there was never really, or I felt there was never really information on, like, how to go about that and how greatly negative either credit or just having debt can affect you. Um Obviously, student loans are an incredibly massive and just pertinent point of conversation in finance, but also for people our age who are amassing like hundreds of thousands of loans in some cases. 
Thankfully, I don't have hundreds of thousands, but there are some tens of thousands that I am, you know, looking at. And so I I see hope in the space of people recognizing that student loans and also just a general university education isn't always necessary in every case. And people make fun of Mm -hmm. Instagram famous and TikTok famous people, but they're furthering the sort of idea that there are other ways to build wealth. People are becoming, um, you know, buying multiple properties and becoming property managers of their own real estate by renting them out to people. So I see a lot of um, growth there and hope there. Um, one one sort yeah. of idea, which kind of relates to our earlier point about like different financial plans people can choose to take, one idea that's really discussed a lot in the finance world is the idea of a sinking fund. Have you heard of that term before? Well, <laughs> <Educate>. <laughs> well I know it's not like super exciting, but hopefully listeners like a little bit of history because I was doing some research recently on like what a sinking fund, I know what it is, but where it originated. So essentially a sinking fund is are different savings accounts in a way that you create to save for specific things. And I see this happening more Mm. and I see this as just even more crucial given 2020 and all that's happened. So essentially uh, the idea sort of originated in the 1400s, but it was used in the 1800s in Great Britain where essentially there was a national sinking fund created where the surplus of their national budget was put into and the goal was to use that to reduce any national debt but the irony was that the government didn't use that that fund in their strategy so whenever funds were needed by the treasury they would take money from there and essentially not use it for its intended purpose And so I just found that idea kind of funny and I I like learning little bits of history because many ways people use sinking funds nowadays are, so it's separate from an emergency fund, which you save for those emergencies that pop up, but a sinking fund is for specific things that you know will happen that you will want to save money for. So like I mentioned, it's essentially having different savings accounts. So you could have a... If you own a car, you could have a car uh, repair sinking fund. You know with cars, they're going to need repairs at some point. So let's not treat it like an emergency and let's save ahead of time. Or like if you celebrate Christmas like I do, you know when it happens every year. So don't act like the expenses for it are a new idea and you can save you should have a christmas sinking fund so like holiday sinking fund things like that so it's different savings account with a name you know it will happen but that way you're not just having one ginormous emergency fund or things like that and you can have more visualization on your financial goals so i see to kind of, long answer to your question, but I see that happening no, more and more, and I think really that cool. is a great way that people are sort of progressing in their their goals. I wanted to know if you had a tip in terms of just say you are a person, you're getting started, you're at zero. How do you start to put 
money into it while also managing managing your finances like is there a percentage that you would apply or like a tip or two that you people could use to just get started with putting money away and how much yeah i think that's a good point um uh there are actually a lot of recommendations out there from different financial experts on the percentages i don't yet have a specific recommendation number wise Though, personally, I try to, like I mentioned, I do like the Dave Ramsey-ish plan. So I did have a small emergency fund while I was paying off my big debts. But now that my bigger interest debt is done, I am going to save while I pay off my remaining student loans. And so I'd recommend, I mean, as much as possible is the easy answer, and that would always be great. But I think if somebody's starting literally from zero, there's a lot of guilt in the finance community about, you know, like becoming a financial pro. And like, if you don't have a million dollars saved, what are you doing? And I think a lot of people our age sort of feel pressure to be super rich really quickly. But I think it is not having the all or nothing mentality. So like you mentioned earlier, if you can save $5, do that. If you can save any amount of money, do so. And don't think of it as like, I either save $200 uh, every two weeks or I don't save anything at all. But thinking of it in those little progress points because that's what ultimately adds up, even though it doesn't seem like it. Everybody knows ultimately deep down, we know that it does add up. And so, yeah, not having the all or nothing mentality, I think, would um, suit a lot of people starting from zero. I wanted to talk about student loans because you brought it up and I was like, yeah, it's a big point that we should touch on. Because something that I always say um, to students, particularly trying to figure out whether or not they want to even go to college, I generally tell people if their student loan package is offering them more than like $50,000 or $25,000 in loans... Like, by the time they leave school, they will have more than that in loans. It's just not worth it. And I think even the 25 and the 50 is being very generous. But, like, you need to think in terms of things you can actually pay off. And I don't think people kind of understand what it means to pay off debt with interest. So just... um, any advice as because we're approaching the part of the year where the financial aid packages will be coming in college acceptances are coming in how can people make sense of these student loans what they should look for in their packages what they should accept what they should probably say no to and ways that they can afford an education and not be in tens and thousands hundreds of thousands yeah Yeah, I mean, student loans, it's crazy. Just there's so much you could say about that topic. Um, I'd say just in the more immediate tips and advice. um, So similar to like you mentioned, I was one of those people who I did go to the school who offered me the best scholarships, thankfully. And it was a combination of need-based and merit-based scholarships. But... As I mentioned, I still do have student loans because it wasn't 100% covered. Um, So I did the best I could. However, and I loved my college experience, but I don't think it was as necessary necessary, for me to go to a university at the caliber I did, which then equated to a higher cost. 
So I'm originally from California. There are tons of UCs and Cal States in the state that have a lower cost than Boston University. And even if it would have been annoying for me to stay in the same state that I grew up because I wanted to branch out and try new things, it would have been probably more financially um, smart of me to do so, whether that's commuting or even just attending one of those schools. But I kind of had the mentality of if I don't go to one of the top 50 universities in the U.S., then I'm not going to have a successful career. And I don't know why I had that mentality, but I was like one of the AP students at school, you know, doing honors classes, blah, blah, blah. So that was kind of the mentality that a lot of us shared was like top 50 schools or like, what's the point kind of thing, (laughs) which like. It's like hilarious right now. Like looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness. But I was 17, so what can you do? Um, So (laughs) I would say. Which is also the problem with student loans because you have all these 17 year olds signing on to things that they're going to have to deal with until they're 45. And you're like, yeah, well, hopefully not. Hopefully they can get some more advice before then. But no, literally, the funny thing is, side note, when I started at university, I wasn't allowed to sign up for the gym because I was under 18 years old. So I had to have a waiver signed by my mom to use the gym at our university, but I could enroll in all these like student loans. So how hilarious is that? But that's kind of a separate. (laughs) Honestly, same. I was 17 when I first started BU and I couldn't buy cough syrup. I was sick and I couldn't get cough syrup. Ridiculous. So ultimately my advice is If you can find a cheaper way to attend college or a completely free way, whether that be community college and then transferring, getting some scholarships, merit-based or needs-based, I would totally recommend doing that. Um, There's sort of an air in the American community, I should say, which is a lot of people, but I would say we all regard you know, universities, those top universities as more credible. Um, But I would recognize also that there's a bit of myth to that in the sense that most companies value either they have, they require a degree or they just value a lot of experience. So I would focus more on gaining the skill set and networking over specifically a high caliber university, quote unquote high caliber yeah, I agree with that. Um, oh, God, especially looking for jobs and whatever. Like, everyone wants five years of experience, but you spent the last four of it in university. Anyways, yeah. anyways, how do you how do you motivate yourself to stay on track with your budget? How do you say no to yourself? And what treats do you allow yourself each month? Do you treat yourself? How do you do that? How do you manage that with paying off your debt and saving your money? Yeah, no, that's such a hard thing to get over because, I don't know, you just want to enjoy certain things and it's hard to say no when you could just have it now if you just spent that money. That's such a, a tough thing. And even this, I was, I still face these problems like every single day. And even just yesterday, I was like debating whether to buy this coat that I've been wanting. And I was like, I really don't need it, but I really want it. So I'm still kind of debating on that. So stay tuned. But (laughs) um, some of the ways that I sort of, or some of the things I should say that I remind myself of to stay on track is 
just thinking of the truths in terms of my personal finance. So things like having money in my bank account is comfort and safety. And so, you know, being trendy isn't necessarily comfort and safety, but comfort and safety is a big priority of mine. So it's essentially reminding myself of my true values over like things that I would like to do, which is be fashionable Um, and (laughs) reminding myself of things like long-term goals do matter. I think a lot of people our age sort of ignore or deny long-term goals and sort of long-term, what's the word? When something bad happens, consequences, that's the word. (laughs) Long-term consequences, a lot of people ignore those with their actions Obviously, a few years ago, there was, like, the YOLO concept, which I hate saying. But I think that idea still sort of has remained in our um, peers and people our age, the Gen Z community, because of the idea of, like, that instant gratification. Um, So reminding myself long-term goals really do matter and that things I do now impact those long-term goals And also that long-term goals don't have to be as long-term as I think they might be if I do more to get them done sooner. (laughs) Um, And that there's also more to personal finance than just like trying to earn more money. Of course, that's a big point, but it's also about managing the money that you have well. I know it's a common phrase that people say all the time is like, if you can't manage $10, you won't manage a million or something. I don't know if you've heard that sort of phrasing Mm. before. But honestly, it is true, even though it's kind of annoying to hear. It's true. Like if you poorly manage having a $30,000 salary, you'll poorly manage having a $200,000 salary. Obviously, there are certain limits to that. Like, if you, you know, if your expenses are high and there's nothing really that you can do about that, like, have some grace on yourself. I'm not saying this with, like, a, you know, hardcore way. But within reason, um, that point does apply. So I, I remind myself of those. So I would say for people to do that. And then in terms of things I treat myself on, um, I'm actually trying to lessen that. Because I feel like for a while I was doing a little bit too much. And of course with December, um, I was, you know, spending more money than I do on a normal month because of eating out and things like that. So I would say that's something I'm trying to decrease. But I do choose to spend money on things like seeing my family, like I mentioned there in California. So if and when, yeah, if and when I'm available to visit them. I like to do that, and other than that, I try to, I spend my money on things that will improve my knowledge, so, you know, I have the professional, sort of, more publicly known mentors, like I mentioned, I would say Dave Ramsey could be considered one of them, but I also have personal mentors in my life, both with finance and um, just general life. And so I I do invest in things and in a way treat myself to things like books. I've developed my interest again in reading. That was something that was kind of hard for me because I grew up loving reading. And then 
right out of college. I mean, during college and then right out of college. Like, oh my goodness, so boring. Like, no, I don't want to read. But I know, again, I have to remind myself, like, reading is actually the way. You will learn more and all that stuff. So I've sort of changed my idea of what I consider, like, a treat. I still do consider food and clothes a treat, which are my personal favorites. But I also consider personal growth things as treats. So... Yeah, that's kind of what I do right now. I get that. Something I was thinking about was how the government, because it's been so inept this entire year, um, mutual aid funds and GoFundMe has skyrocketed because people are homeless. They're losing jobs. They keep getting evicted, can't buy food. Um, And this is something I try to manage is like, how do I know when I can donate to one thing and how do I know when I need the money and I can't actually donate? Because um, I feel like if you're in a situation where, like, because I've never been in a situation where I've been homeless or lost my basic resources, but then I'm also not rich. I'm definitely just low income. So it's like, how do I balance giving this $20? Well, this $20 does also mean a lot to me. How do I know you know, when I should give, when I shouldn't give. And shouldn't, it seems like a strong word, but I feel so bad. You know, yeah. and there's so many mutual aid funds and there's so many people in crises right now. And how do we share our wealth while also building our own personal yeah. growth, personal finance? There are so many different approaches you could take to that. Like you said, it's so tough because there's so many people in need but then we're also like well I'm in need too like you know I have debt too I'm in need like somebody fund me you know um but you know there are obviously people in arguably more dire situations and so again it's really up to your sort of approach so many of the financial experts in the space that I've heard of they recommend not donating to charity or um, having charitable expenses until you're out of debt. That way you have more flexibility, more opportunity to donate and give to people. Um, So that's definitely one way. So it would just be delayed gratification in the sense of you not being able to gratify that you know need and desire to give because you want to make sure that you first are in a good financial situation. So that's one way. Um, Again, I'm kind of in between. So I do personally have various funds that I give to that um, while I am still paying off debt. And so I I would just put it in the budget. That's what I would recommend. So if you have the finances where you have some room for flexibility, if you're in a situation where you still have a job, your main expenses are covered, you're you know paying some portion of your debt, if you have any, you're saving, if you have some extra expenses that you could use for personal items that you don't necessarily need, I would say in that case, you know, it's up to you to choose whether to do so. But I wouldn't if you are in a situation where you know, using that money would put you at a financial risk because this isn't really the year to be having any more financial risk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, how can you... Okay, last question. Sorry. How can you tell if you are at... Because this is where I struggle is how can I tell if I'm at financial risk? <laughs> like, how do I know if I'm safe? How do I know if I'm okay? Um, 
what are some, I guess, symptoms of financial risk markers that you can use? And that's the last question I'm not asking you. No, that's a good one. I don't know if I'm necessarily the expert to answer that question, but I would say just my initial thoughts are, of course, the obvious ones I'll say, of course, like if you lost your job or you're furloughed from your job or you can't cover your basic living expenses, that's how you know you're at a risk. Many people say if your housing expenses are more than... 50% of your income that is a big risk I would agree with that that makes sense (laughs) that sentiment um the percentage kind of change according to who you ask but I would say you know if your housing expenses are so high that is a big risk um but ultimately if you can't save money then that would probably indicate that you are at a risk yes that's actually what you made me think of when you were talking about yeah it. that's kind of a simple way to okay. do it like if you can save zero dollars that's a financial risk and your solution would be to either find a way to earn money earn more money or find a way to spend less money whether that be moving which a lot of people have right. done this year well i should say 2020 a lot of people have moved yeah. out of places like where I am right now, New York, because why pay for a $4,000 apartment when you have to sit inside and really what you're paying for with the apartment are the amenities and living near Central Park or something. And you can't go to the park and you can't use the amenities. <laughs> Situations like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point that you mentioned. If you can't save, evaluate your financial status because you are probably at a big risk. Um, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, do you have any last thoughts you want to leave with the people? <laughs> no, I love this. Um, and I would love to, you know, maybe we could collaborate on Smart Girl Smart Money um, and have you yes. featured Tips from Your Good Sis on our page. Um, my final points, I think as we sort of begin 2021, well, it's already started, but as we continue using the knowledge that we've gained from 2020 to now act i know many people are focused on making it through the year whether that's getting a new job if you lost yours or if you didn't lose yours working on your savings goals things like that so i would say continue to have grace for yourself but do also push yourself in the way that you're improving gradually so don't focus on major you know, going cold turkey on your changes if that's something that doesn't suit you well. Yeah. But just emphasizing, you know, work in progress, work in progress. And even if it doesn't feel like you are growing, tell yourself that you are. And then over time, hopefully you will. So yeah, that was kind of my last note I would say to people. And then if people wanted to follow up and reach out, they're welcome to do so. I already mentioned Smart Girl Smart Money on Instagram, but also my personal page is Gabrielle Oates, and you're welcome to reach out to me. Thank you all for listening, and thank you again to Gabrielle for being on this episode. I hope the conversation has been helpful for you, and if you have any questions, definitely feel free to DM me on Beauty Brains and Baggage, and also reach out to Gabrielle, connect with her on Instagram, follow Smart Girl Smart Money, and stay tuned for the next episode of Beauty Brains and Baggage coming out every Sunday at 11.